0: Hello, everyone, and you're welcome to this week's Euro Soccer. And we have to discuss all things soccer around Europe. Around Europe, uh, over the last two weeks, I suppose we have Kieran uh, Duffy from Post to Post. Hello, Kieran, how are you?
1: Hi, Aiden. Great to be back on the show again. Uh, plenty to talk about uh, from uh, in terms of Ireland and further afield uh, with the internationals and the Champions League coming up. So. Uh, it's a. It's going to be a good show this week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to getting stuck in. And uh, yeah, it's been. Um, I suppose, really, at an international level, it's it's been a strange week, and no more so than uh, you know, for the Republic of Ireland, where nothing seemed to have gone wrong for Stephen Kenny. Now, I suppose we we can't really criticise him. In fairness, he hasn't playing a lovely brand, a lovely brand of football. I mean that they're they're the passing game. They're very good at the passing game and. Playing this, playing the game the way it should be. It's just, it just seems that they just have no one up front um, that can finish them now. I suppose the um, the Robbie Brady of old uh, and you know players like that, and even like the Shane Duffy of old, will be tucking them them in for fun in years gone by. But it's just you know for all the chances they created over those uh, the games over the last two weeks, you know, and there were some great chances. They just couldn't stick them, stick it in the net, which was an awful pity because you know it's um, they, they you know they deserved a win, and especially you know their performance again, their performance against Slovakia in the the playoff semi final, and it went to penalties. They should have really won it in normal time.
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, they they should have. I mean, there's there's three issues here. It seems like. Uh, and uh, there are, none of them are Stephen Kenny's fault. One is the global pandemic. One is COVID. There are two false COVID tests that came back, false positives. Adamita and Aaron Connolly were both ruled out. Look, we talk about finishers. There are two strikers that could have made a difference. One of them would have started. I'd say Connolly would have started. And Ida would have certainly been in the, in the mix to come on later on in the day. So, I mean, no one could do anything about that. And then for the uh, following game, Against uh, for uh, the third game against Finland, there was a, a positive for Jack Byrne. Uh, that looks to be a correct positive now, and he uh, seems to there seems to be a bit of chaos in the Shamrock Rovers camp. Uh, but yeah, look, the other issues is obviously uh, been covered in champagne football, which some of the listeners may have read. Uh, look, the FAI is a bit of a mess; it has been for a while. So, I mean, these these players are hearing all those distractions. These players know all that's going on. And it's not their responsibility to bail out the FAI. I mean, it's, the FBI should be supporting the national teams, both the men and the women's, and the uh, the uh, League of Ireland the Women's National League. And then you look at the fact that Stephen Kenny's taken over a squad that is on a low. There, there has been nothing really good for the Ireland men's national team in the last little while. I mean, there's been looking through, looking through it. I'll be looking at the last qualifying campaign for the Euros. Uh, which Ireland now won't qualify for, which is disappointing, but it's not Stephen Kenny's fault. He only had one game. Uh, Ireland scored seven goals in eight games. Uh, two of those games were against Gibraltar, who, uh, no disrespect, are one of the newest teams in UEFA and are very much minnows. Most, I think, they have one full-time player in their in their team. So you should be scoring more I mean, than, we actually, than...
0: We actually struggled to beat them that day out yeah, in... Yeah. Out in Gibraltar as well, but like like you said, in fairness, you couldn't beat you couldn't blame you know Stephen Kenny for any of those. But I know you had people who we were saying in the last in the last last podcast that you know there were people calling for his head and all that, which is absolute absolute nonsense. Because I mean, you you know, I I thought considering considering all that he had to him and the players had to go through over the last two weeks. You know, I, I thought he did very well. It was just, it was just a shame that they couldn't get the wins that they deserved. And I suppose, really, e- even even in the Wales game as well, they could have met Wales, and that was a very good Wales team.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I think these games have come a bit too soon. I think uh, yeah. the Slovakia playoff, in particular. I mean, I don't uh, look. I don't think uh, the ground of football who were playing before. Stephen Kenny came in, would have done any better than uh would have done any better. It might have got a lucky goal, but I I don't think it would have kept a clean sheet. So, I mean, you look at, it went to, it went to penalties. Ireland could have won that game. And if, if the confidence had been a bit higher, I mean, Conor Huron had a great chance. He, sl- he shot straight at a Slovakian defender. If that goes either side of him, that's 1-0. Alan Brown hit the post. He was fantastic when he came on. Unfortunately, he uh, had his penalty saved in the shootout. So, I mean, you look at it. Ireland could have won that game, probably should have won that game, maybe if it had been a few games down the line. Because it feels like when the floodgates open for this Ireland team, they're going to open and we're going to beat someone by 2 or 3 nil, and then we're going to start winning games. And it's a process. I mean, Ireland are playing a lot better, a different brand of football entirely. I mean, I think a lot of people fail to understand that Stephen Kenny took Dundalk from basically a relegation-threatened team to... The Europa League to double winners to consistent league winners—that's not easy. And I mean, people do that in video games, and Football Manager, and computer games and stuff like that. They think they're football geniuses. It's a lot harder in real life. And you look at—you're trying to—you're trying to coach all these players. You're trying to coach confidence into these players. You're trying to coach them into. Some of these players just look like they don't have any confidence to play football at the moment, and they're tr- but they're trying. And you need to you need to get behind the team because it looks like. Like Jason Malumbi was absolutely fantastic against Wales. He was getting on the ball. He was doing everything with the midfielder. Would have liked to have seen Jack play. Maybe he would have been featured in the Wales game at the COVID test, come back negative. Uh, Todd, uh, Todd um, in the... Uh, uh, Alan Brown, as I said, was fantastic against Slovakia. Would have deserved to be on the winning side. Darji was great against Finland. I mean, there are a lot of positives. And the Stevens as well. Look, Darren Randolph made one mistake. I think he's made one mistake in his career playing for Ireland, and unfortunately, led to a goal against Finland. So, I mean, it's not like we're getting hammered. It's not like we're getting outplayed. We've we've probably been the better. We just can't three games.
0: And there the, the was only one nil. And of course, like you said, Malum Malumbi played well. But um, it it was nice to see Darren Horgan back in the um, back in the squad and back, back playing again. He he got his chance against Wales and. In fairness to him, he had one, he had two opportunities And he was very unlucky, you know So he, he played alright when he came on as well
1: Yeah, absolutely And you look at Ronan Curtis as well Also added a lot to the team He's been a player that's impressed in the in the football league Across the water So, I mean, you look at uh, you look at There are a lot of positives There are positives It's just it's just a case of nailing down a few goal scorers I think if Troy Parrott had a bit of fit, He's a very natural goal scorer But I think if Connolly and Ida get a bit of confidence about them then suddenly they'll turn into goal scorers. Look, it was unfortunate. It was a, it was a rubbish thing to happen. The false, uh, the false positive tests. I mean, that's no one, no one wants that to happen to them. Obviously, safety comes first. Uh, I, I think Kenny pointed out in his uh, interview, in his uh, post-match interview, that it was only, it was only, uh, it, it was only just under two meters they were in contact with someone, and then it came back negative. So, I mean, it was it was bad luck. And a lot of this has been bad luck. I mean, there's been a lot of good performances. They're trying to play football. And it's going to click one day. And Kenny needs to be given time for it to click. Because there's there's plenty of time.
0: That's it. Because, I mean, really, when you look at it, uh, you know that they have been playing well. And a footballing person that knows football or has played football or coached us, or, you know, like myself and uh, Martin, we, we do a weekly show called uh, Ross Sports View. And we discuss Football. I think we're both huge fans, as are you and all that, and your page post to post. And really, to be fair, you know, the new place, as you just said, played some excellent football. But for some reason, just because we didn't score, people just say, oh, well, Ireland are bad, which isn't the case. I mean, you know, even the best teams can play, can play a game and not score, but it doesn't mean they're bad. I mean, they did their best. They were creating their chances. Now, maybe if we had someone else, I wonder... Like when you look at the squad, or or that you know there there are a number of options. You know, try Parrott; he'd be a great, he be a great guy to co- come in with. But like when you, when you consider that the players that they had that um you know Ireland have at the moment, you know to get them playing like that was was something else. Considering yep. that, I suppose really against Wales they only had something like four or five substitutes due to the missing about was it eight players I think hmm. on on Sunday so. It wasn't bad, and I didn't get to see the um, the Finland game because I was uh, I was in the studio and I was doing other things. But uh, you know, I, I can't really comment on that. But you know, over the first two games, we were very unlucky. But uh, you know, I suppose really we were myself and Martin were also discussing the thing about you know what happened over the last you know before the or during during the pandemic when we were due to come back and play. You know, they were all about. Playing Slovakia in the playoff semi-final, you know, I thought it was kind of unfair to get rid of um, to get get rid of McCarthy and bring in um, bring in Stephen Kenny because I mean he got them that far and it would uh, you know f- familiarity would have been better because he would have been you know let him stay on I know his his contract would have been finished by then but if they gave him an extension and say right put have him in, have McCarthy in charge for the semi-final and see where it takes. And then if they got knocked out, then fair enough, that'll be the end of it. But, you know, and move on then. And then for Stephen Kenny to come in instead of what was done. What What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, well, it was all kind of a bit messed up by circumstances. Originally, Mick was supposed to, if Ireland qualified to the Euros, Mick would have taken us to the Euros. And uh, after the tournament finished, Stephen Kenny would have taken over. Uh, with a view to the Nations League games, yeah. Look, it probably wasn't the time to change management. With two games to go before the before the playoff, mm-hmm. I can't blame Mick for not signing up for another uh, for an extra extension because it wouldn't have been worth his while. I mean, if Ireland get there, he's not really gaining anything. He's not even going to be in the job in the long run. And if he loses, it's just going to be a bad spot on his record. So I can't. You can't really blame Mick for not for stepping down. Like it's it's fair enough on him, but. Uh, No, look, uh, in an ideal world, we would have the same management team. I don't know. Would it have been better to just give Stephen Kenny the job? I don't know because he didn't have any experience in international football. I think he benefited greatly from making a relationship with those under-21 players. I think it was just really unfortunate circumstances. To be honest, yeah, look, Mick probably, I don't think we would have got there the way we were playing football mostly under Mick. I mean, aside from maybe a bit of the game against Denmark and the Aviva, and uh, maybe the maybe the first game against Georgia, we didn't really play a lot of good football. But uh, if maybe if he had been maybe if he had been around, maybe there would have been a bit more familiarity. But I think between COVID and everything else that was going on and injuries, I don't really think I I don't I just don't think it was meant to be for Ireland, to be honest, unfortunately, despite the fact we are hosting uh hosting some of the games and would have had two games at home. I just don't think it was meant to be, so it's it's gonna be Slovakia or Northern Ireland. I'd love to see Northern Ireland get there just so there's someone on this island going to the Euros. Uh, but uh yeah, look it's it's obviously disappointing and I think there's a lot of what ifs but at the end of the day I think I think it was look, Mick it wouldn't have been worth his while staying for the Euros because I mean he wouldn't have uh you wouldn't have really gained anything out of I mean, I, I think he said himself a few times, he won't be there. I mean, I think it was, it was almost a bit of an unwinnable situation for Mick McCarty because no matter what he does, he was only going to be in the job for two years. He knew that his replacement, it's pretty unprecedented uh, for someone's replacement to be named before they even started the job. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it probably would have been better to have a similar management team. But to be honest, the way we were playing football, I, I, I think that's as good as we played in a long time against Slovakia. And that's as good as we played without winning a game since I can remember. So I mean, I think uh, I think it's just a tough loss to take, but it will stand to us in the longer.
0: That's it because I suppose really, and I don't like to, <laughs> to kick the the FAI when they're down. But I mean, if you look down the years, we say possibly, you know, starting with maybe Jack Charlton's uh, the way he he was uh, sacked and all that. From that time up until now. I mean, it's not the it's not the first it's that that's not the first uh, bad decision that the FAI have made, um, really. Because uh, you have to think of the coach first, and then, uh, as well as the 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 players. But as I said, you know, you don't know you don't know what they would have been uh, what they have gained anthem by right. him staying on or not staying on. But I mean, down the years, the, it's not the first time they've made a they've made a bad decision. The FAI, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's just sad really, isn't
1: it? It is, yeah. Look, we could fill a couple of podcasts with bad decisions the FAI have made at this stage. Uh, I think uh, there's there's the book out Champagne Football. I think that does a good job of summing it up. But uh, yeah, look, it's um, look, we need the FAI to get behind the League of Ireland first and foremost, and the women's national league. And that's, because that's what fronting you need a domestic league if you're gonna have an international league. And both leagues get very little support, particularly the women's league. I mean, for as little as promotion the League of Ireland gets, the Women's National League gets basically none. Uh, so both both leagues need both leagues need to be supported. You need a, like we should have a bigger league here. I mean, we talk about it all the time on Postbus Sport on our Irish football podcast, Pell and Back. Uh, we talk about we should have we, we should have a bigger Premier Division, a bigger first division, a third tier, and then regional leagues after that the Provincial League should be connected to the League of Ireland. We need a pyramid system, but to do that, the FAI needs to put money into the League of Ireland, instead of expecting teams to pay a load of money to join the League, because at the moment, we have a load of teams who would add a lot to the League of Ireland, but it's not worth their while. I mean, it's just, they'll, they'll go bankrupt if they join the League of Ireland, so it's, it's not, in a year or so, so it's not worth their while because they have to pay so much. And I mean, who would want to join the League of Ireland to sit 10th in the first division? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it seems pretty aimless. So, uh, yeah, look, I think the FAI have made a lot of mistakes. And, uh, you know, again, Stephen Kennedy can't be blamed for them. He's just a new man in the door. Neither can the players. I mean, but the players are hearing all this, and it's a distraction to them. And they're kind of being tasked with almost cheering everyone up, which is a bit of an impossible task. So, uh, yeah, look, hopefully the next qualifying campaign goes better. There's obviously uh, there's obviously a couple more games in the Nations League left. So, uh, hopefully... Uh, I think we'll see more and more improvements under Kenny. I think we will. And I hope he's given time. And I hope I hope uh, people get behind him. <laughs> because I I said it before, if he wasn't a League of Ireland man, everyone would probably be getting behind him. If his name was Stephen Kenny, Kenny Aldinio. people would be getting behind him.
0: That's it. And uh, moving on to the uh, the Premier League proposal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh Yeah, this is an interesting one and uh, if, uh, if if you can think back before the uh, international break there were a few interesting scores in the Premier League it was a bit of a mad week uh, but yeah, the Premier League proposal so to sum up the, the main things about the Premier League proposal are one, reducing the Premier League from 20 teams to 18 teams and adding a playoff uh, so 18th and 17th will go down 16th will go to a playoff against 3rd, 4th and 5th in the championships yeah, that would mean two teams are going to fall out of the EFL, the Football League. At the moment, there are ninety-two teams. Uh, it would mean there'd just be ninety, uh, so there wouldn't be two teams added to any of the lower leagues. Uh, the other, uh, the other things are uh, the EFL, the Premier League would give a bit of a would give a bit of funding to the uh, lower league teams, to particularly League One and League Two teams. Obviously, that's that's something that a lot of people have been crying out for with uh, with the uh, current. Uh, Situation. I mean, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I, my, the team I follow in England is in League One. I, I, we recently got new owners. I want us to survive. I want other teams to survive. No one likes to see teams go out of business. Uh, and uh, then the other thing is to get rid of parachute payments. So up until now, uh, the team that gets, teams that get relegated from the Premier League basically get paid to get relegated, paid for being in the Premier League, which obviously helps them come back up. And essentially, if that keeps happening, we're going to see pretty much the same. 26, 27 teams make up the 20 team Premier League. But the big issue here is this all seems to be kind of like I, I love the idea of the Premier League, some of the Premier League money going to the lower leagues because I think that, I, for one thing, I think it's a no brainer for the FA. I mean, it, it's good for English football. Why wouldn't you do that? But at the same time, it's a bit of a power grab from the top teams because it's basically giving special status to nine teams in the Premier League. Those are the traditional top six, as they're known Manchester United, Liverpool. Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, uh, who left out, Chelsea, uh, as well as uh, Everton, Southampton, and West Ham, who are the, the longest uh, cumulative uh, teams uh, amount of years in the Premier League. So, like, it would give them special special powers. So, basically, only so many of them would have to vote for a proposal to go ahead for it to go ahead. So, basically, the other sixteen teams or the other uh, the other teams are basically forgotten about in the Premier League. So if uh, it's, it's a it's a paragraph. I mean it's it's basically giving it's basically it would basically mean only one of those six teams, maybe even four of those teams, could win the Premier League going forward because they'd have all the power. It's making the rich richer. And that's not a good thing for football. I mean we all remember that great story of Leicester City winning the league in twenty sixteen. You want to see more of that. I mean everyone loves that Everton are top of the league right now. we get to the Merseyside Derby in a minute. But uh, yeah, look, everyone, everyone wants to see surprises in football. Like I say, I, my teams, I, my English teams in League One. I like. I don't want it to be impossible for us to get to the Premier League. I mean, you may as well make the Premier League an A team league if you're doing that, because no one else is going to be able to get a look in. So it's 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 a paragraph uh, kind of disguised as a uh, a no a, as a good move. But uh, yeah, look, I agree that the Premier League should give some money. To uh, to the lower leagues. I mean, because there's so much money in the Premier League, and it would be good for football. But also, uh, I possibly agree with the 18-team league. I mean, it would be four less games. We always talk about how these players need a break, particularly players are playing international football. We saw what happened in the ridiculous scenario with Liverpool last year. They uh, they were playing in the Club World Cup the day after they had to play in the League Cup. That would be the other thing. Uh, potentially scrapping the League Cup. Now, uh, I like one of the ideas of making the League Cup only for teams that didn't qualify for Europe, because then uh, it would uh, it would give them extra games, it would give the teams that qualify for Europe a break, but also it would guarantee a new team in Europe each season, because the team that wins the Europe uh, the League Cup gets into the Europa League. So, uh, and the other uh, option would be scrapping the Charity Shield, the Community Shield, completely. Uh, now, I don't know would they reform it into some kind of Super Cup? Uh, we see in Spain at the moment they uh, they have a four team Super Cup. Uh, I don't know what will be held this year with the current situation uh, and because uh, we, we haven't even played last season's Cup of LRA final yet but we basically uh, they might reformat it in some way but uh, yeah look the whole thing is basically a way to, sh- to give uh, the top teams in the league more power and it's been pretty much unanimously rejected
0: That's it because uh, what you call it uh, Jurgen Klopp was asked about that um, after the I think it was after the last game uh The Villa game, they were kind of, they were saying about that proposal that about uh, you know the bigger clubs like Liverpool, Man United, and all and not uh, Man City and, and Chelsea and that uh it. And the Sky Sports actually asked him, "Did he agree with that?" He said, "Yeah, absolutely." But you see, if you were a cynic, you could also turn around and say, "Well, if they're going to be funding the lower team, the teams lower down." then they're effectively, because they're giving money to support those teams, you could nearly, if you were to put your economic head on, you could say, well, they're effectively buying a stake mm. in those in those teams in a way. Which means that, we say, like, you know, if Liverpool, for example, uh, supported, we say, one of the lower-down teams, you know, and next thing, you know, they had a crop of very good players and they wanted to buy one of those players and then the, the club said No, well then, the team could turn around and say, "Well, hang on now, we're we're putting." <laughs> I'm not saying that would happen, but do you know, like, if you were if you were kind of that way, you could say, "Well, hang on now, we're we're putting money into NTE, e, so you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a payback thing, mm. you know what I mean? Like that we're putting money into e, so we should uh, we should be able to buy your players, even though you don't like, you know, that kind yeah, of yeah, yeah,
1: of course, there'd have to be some kind of regulation. I mean. Look the the big issue is the Premier League gets so much TV money. I mean they call the they call the championship playoff final the richest game in football for a reason. The Premier League gets so much TV money. I mean you, you each team is on TV maybe at least five times a season and they get they get a lot. So I suppose the way to do that would be everyone maybe everyone in the Premier League Gives a portion of that TV money to the FA, to the or to the EFL rather uh, between the Championship, League One, and League Two. Now there's talk about not giving it to the Championship because uh, they they're saying the Championship teams have more opportunities, whereas the League One and League Two teams are more reliant on matchday revenue, as in uh, fans buying tickets. So uh, yeah, look, you'd you'd have to make sure it's not uh, the clubs directly giving money to lower league teams. You'd have to make sure it's basically. Uh, league two and league one teams get a certain amount of uh, the of the revenue that the TVD that the money from the TVD goes to the EFL and I oh, agree with championship clubs getting some as well uh, but yeah yeah you would want to put some regulations in there I mean you couldn't just have teams directly funding other teams because then of course there'd be uh, yeah there'd be there, that would be very problematic.
0: Because I mean, really, if this was brought in, we said last season or the season before, we're all uh, we we've all heard about the story about what happened. Bury, um, they were um, they were they actually went out of commission, um, you know they're no longer a club now. But yes, um, but yet Bolton Wanderers were saved. So I, you know, Bolton Wanderer or um, Bury fans and owners or whatever, you know, the coaches and that they must have been saying, well, you know. Uh, Bol- Bolton was saved. Why weren't we? But then again, I suppose Bolton weren't in the same amount of debt as Bury. But you know, maybe, maybe if this proposal was in place last season or the season before, then a team like Bury may- might have been saved.
1: Hmm. Yeah, perhaps. And I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a Charlton Athletic supporter. Um, growing up, Matt Holland was my favorite Ireland footballer, so I started supporting Charlton Athletic near the Ipswich. Uh, we recently got taken over, and. Thank thank the Lord for that because uh, we were under transfer embargo. I don't know how we got taken over in the first place. We were under owners who didn't want to have us. Then we got taken over before the new owners had passed the EFL means test. Now, that's the EFL's responsibility. It's the same situation with Wigan and Hull. They've had terrible owners. Wigan nearly went out of business there. Uh, Hull really struggled in the second part of the championship. All three of those teams got relegated from the championship. And, you know, if you, if you have... EFL can't just let anyone take over a team. And that's really the thing, and, and that's one thing that has to be sorted out before you start asking the Premier League for money. You have to get your own house in order first. I mean, it's the same with we say with the League of Ireland. We need more teams. We need to make sure the teams who are here are run well first. I mean, because uh, there's no point in adding more teams if you can't run the league with uh, with only twenty teams. But yeah, looking at it, there needs to be some kind of uh, there needs to be some kind of regulation. Like you should have to pass the means test before you take over a club. Uh, I don't see why you can... like I, I don't know why Charlton were able to be taken over before uh, anyone passed a means test. I don't know what that was about. I, I didn't even know who owned us there for a while. And it's a scary thing for the fans because no one wants to lose their football club. I mean, no one. They think about the football club down the road, you no know one wants to lose it. I mean, and that's something that a lot of... You know, there are a lot of supporters in this uh, country who ignore the League of Ireland. They support Liverpool, Man United, uh, maybe some of the bigger clubs. They They don't have to worry about that. But for people who support smaller clubs, it is a worry. It is a worry to lose your club. So, I mean, the EFL have to get their act together. But I do agree that, look, the Premier League, it's, it's, there's ridiculous money in the Premier League. I mean, no one's going out of business in the Premier League. Uh, like, the poorest team in the Premier League is richer than anyone else in the EFL. So, I mean, you really have to, you really have to look at it. It would be fair if some of that money – and it, it's in English football's interest. I mean, it would be the same as here if we had all the Premier division teams getting paid loads of money – were full time professional teams, and then the first division, and if there are any other divisions, were, uh, were weren't getting any money. It would be in the interest of all your football to give money to the lower leagues, and that's the same with that's the same with English mm-hmm. football. I mean, because this is where a lot of English players come from. I mean, a lot of most of the English players do come from the lower leagues at some stage. I mean, uh, we talk about Leicester City, Jamie Vardy played most of his career in the lower leagues. Harry Kane went on loan a lot to the lower leagues. All the big teams send their players on loan to the lower league. So I mean, this is this is where football grows up. It's not just the twenty teams in the Premier League. I mean, so it's important that it's important that they share the wealth a bit. But EFL, do need to sort themselves out a bit and not let any more teams go out of business.
0: That's it. And moving on to the derby side, the, the 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 Merseyside derby, and it has to be said, this is one that this is a, this is a game that Liverpool can uh, put the record straight after their 7-2 defeat to Aston Villa. And, uh, you know, I can't see really, you know, <laughs> that sort of a scoreline happening to Liverpool again. Now, I know that the, the one thing you, you could say is like, you know, they were missing Mane and maybe his quality from crosses and his uh, his dangerous, you know, his predatory skills. My could have made a difference. Now I'm not saying that they would have won. I'm not saying that they would that they wouldn't have still lost. But it's just something that Mane brings to it, brings to the brings to the Liverpool performances. But uh, yeah, I can't see really that that um, that 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 sort of a result happening again. Now some people could say like you know about about Everton now and oh, they should ha- hammer Everton, but. I think you know you've seen them they're top of the table now uh, Everton they have made some good signings in pre-season I think this I think this is uh, this is now I'm a Liverpool fan but you have to look at their performances since since the start of the league this season and you have to say that this is a this is a serious uh, Everton team and you, you know you need to watch them now I'm not saying that Liverpool won't win it, but I, I in my predictions with Martin yesterday, I went, I went for a draw. But you know that it's uh, this is this is a very Liverpool need to be wary of this Everton team. Yeah,
1: absolutely, they do. I mean, uh, going back to first of all, on Sadio Mane, if his name was Sadio Messi, he'd be winning the Ballon d'Or. He's a fantastic player, and uh, he is an absolute quality player. He yeah. brings so much creativity. He's selfless as well. His work rate is phenomenal. And uh, you can see he's he's a great uh, he's he's probably the best inverted winger in the Premier League. And what I mean by that is he's uh, right footed he's uh, left footed but play or, sorry he's right footed but plays on the left side so he cuts in a lot uh, and he adds so much and he, he I think he's the best of that front three and that's a pretty good front three with Salah and Firmino. Uh Yeah, looking at Liverpool, I mean look they're not going to get beaten seven two too many times in the next few years. I mean that was a every every. Every chance, jam- like Bayern Munich got beaten four one by half hour Thereafter, in the Super Bowl. I mean, these results happened, and look, it was a bit crazy. And to be honest, like, like Klopp said himself, look, they made about a, they made about a season's worth of mistakes within one game. Like, and that that's true. And look, look, they're not gonna they're not gonna, if you make that many mistakes, you're not always gonna lose seven two. And I I don't think they'll lose too many games at all this season. But I, I certainly don't think they'll lose against seven two. Uh, they are having a few problems. I mean, uh, Van Dyke, Robertson, and Trent Alexander-Arnold aren't as quite as good as they have been. I don't know is that fatigue as well. There's always an issue when a team wins the league. Are they going to be as good next season? Like uh, that's one. That's one reason uh, Alex Ferguson was always is one of the best managers in history. I mean, because he always knew when to change a team. I mean, you think about it, he kept he kept that Man United winning uh, team winning uh, through the whole Premier League era from. Not from the first Premier League season right up until 2013, he kept winning the Premier League because uh, he knew when to change. I mean, he wasn't afraid to let Ronaldo go. He wasn't afraid to let Beckham go. He wasn't afraid to let Roy, Uh uh Rooney. He wasn't afraid to let anyone go. Uh, he wasn't afraid to bring Van Persie in. He knew when to make changes. And maybe maybe that's a slight problem with Liverpool. I mean, I like Thiago Cantara. He's uh, been unfortunate uh, to do with COVID, as is Manny. Look, it's going to be one of those... Crazy seasons where some people could just be really unlucky and get a COVID positive result, uh, or be in close contact and have to isolate. But uh, yeah, look, Liverpool are still a quality side, and I, I think they're still favourites to win the league. But as for Everton, yeah, look, look at their front three. I mean, they have a fantastic front three. In, uh, and as you look at Rodriguez, he doesn't actually do a doesn't actually do a lot of running around the place. He he just picks the spots and just gets to the right place. And he's such a technically good player. Such a technically gifted player that he can he can pretty much he can pretty much score from anywhere on the pitch, which he has done a few times already. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin up front he's a, he's he's on the form of his life. I don't know where he came from. I mean, he was a decent striker before this season. Now he, he seems to be world class, and I think he's going to be. I think uh, England might benefit from the Euros yeah. being postponed because if they have Calvert Lewin up front and uh, Richarlison. Uh, who is a very technically gifted player. So they have, three, uh, they have three very good forwards. And if you have that, you're going to score goals. If you score goals, you're going to win games. Football's a simple old game that way. Uh, they also have uh, Dukery who uh, I know I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly because I always do. Uh, he's transferred from Watford. Uh, he's a fantastic, he's one of the most underrated Premier League players. He's a box-to-box midfielder. His interceptions are incredible. He can move the ball forward. So he's a fantastic player to have as well. And then they just have an all-around pretty solid team and they have a great manager in Ancelotti who hasn't been afraid to change from his preferred four-four-two to a 4 3 One thing I'd worry about them is Pickford and Neff. I don't think he's a particularly good keeper. I think he's an okay keeper. I don't think he's particularly good. I think they need someone else. Like, I think England's best goalkeeper is Nick Pope. I'm not just saying that because he used to play for Charlton. But uh, I, I don't think Pickford's been particularly good since the last World Cup. Uh, so I, I think... Yeah,
0: because, yeah, I mean, if if you if you look at that you you know the last game that everton played against brighton, uh, you yeah, know before yeah. the the international break uh, yeah, yeah against brighton i mean he did make a mistake for yeah. for brighton's equalizer you know he had the ball and then he just let it drop now he has never he do- he very rarely does that but i suppose really if you were to compare him to other keepers i suppose leno would be another one i know leno is a good keeper as well but you know leno isn't as good as uh, martinez and he's gone to aston villa but you know once once a keeper starts making one bad kind of uh one mistake you know the, the a bit of doubt kind of might creep into them you, you know what i mean and i mean it happened Randolph fun you know but that that's a different game you know against finland but you know that that's a mis- that that game that goal could have cost them that day you know and uh, you know, they're 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 the type of shots that goalkeepers should.
1: Sh- yeah, when well, you sh- look at uh, you look at David De Gea for Man United for a long time, David De Gea was the only thing keeping Man United from getting relegated. I honestly believe under Louis Van Gaal, they would have been relegated if they didn't have uh, David De Gea in that. But now, since the last World Cup, again, he just made a few mistakes. He isn't confident. You can see he's not confident. Sergio Romero is a is probably the best backup goalkeeper there is, and uh, he, he should probably be starting. Dean Henderson maybe starting. So uh, yeah, once a uh, keeper starts making a few mistakes, but uh, no, that Everton team is pretty good. And I think, uh, I think it'll depend a lot on it'll. There will be a lot of luck, but I think this is Everton's best chance to win the derby they've had in a while. They haven't won this game since 2010. Uh, they won that two 0 Tim Cahill and Mikel Arteta, uh, now manager of Arsenal, scored them goals. Seamus Coleman did play in those in that game. Uh, he's injured now, unfortunately, so he may not be playing uh, this weekend. He obviously missed out for Ireland, but uh, yeah, look, looking at it. Uh, I think I think this is Everton's best chance. I think it probably will be a draw, but this is Everton's chance to kind of break out of that little brother syndrome. I mean, because they've always been that team that's not as good as their neighbours. They've always they've always been, no matter how good they've been, they've always been a little bit worse than Liverpool, and that needs to change this season if they're going to do something. I think this I think Everton could well finish in the Champions League spot this season. I don't think they're going to win the league, but uh, this is a this is a big chance for them. It's at home, obviously. There's no fans, but. Uh, now, look, uh, this, this could be an opportunity to beat the Liverpool team that haven't been quite as impressive as they were last season and maybe just haven't gotten going yet. And That can happen when the team wins the league. They don't know start to start the next season that well. I mean, it happened with Man City last season. So uh, this could be a good chance for Everton. But uh, look, I, I wouldn't call them overwhelming favourites, though.
0: That's it, because I suppose really two, two points really when you look at this fixture. One you know we we just touched on it there a second ago about um about about um you know the the everton keeper where he um he's not the best keeper so that that might be something that um that maybe liverpool would be looking to exploit having seen his performances but he still he still gets into the, the squad but i'd say that might be something that maybe liverpool would be looking to but also from a liverpool point of view you know and look, looking at that villa match Um, You know, I suppose the cause or the reason for conceding the majority of those goals was consistently throughout that game they played the high line and they got caught. They got caught on numerous occasions. And you know, fair in fairness, like I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, but you have to say fair play to Villa. They saw that and they yeah, absolutely.
1: And I mean, uh, you know, I think uh, I think maybe that's maybe that's something. I I love Jurgen Klopp. I think he's a fantastic manager. But maybe sometimes he stays a bit too true to his philosophy. A bit like Pep Guardiola, maybe. I mean, they, he keeps playing the kind of game he wants to play. And sometimes it just doesn't work on the day and you have to change things up. So, I mean, it, it would have been it would have been the time just to, just to slow the game down try and try to get back into it. Because, look, it was only 2-0. I mean, you can go back from a 2-0. But uh, then, yeah, look, they, as, as you say, they made a season's worth of mistakes in one game. And, unfortunately, that uh, that led to a bit of a hammering uh it can take solace in the fact, man, you know you got hammered 6 won on the same day. So uh at least uh at least it was a uh, at least it was it was good news all around. Out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's it. And I suppose uh going to um uh Serie um the Milan Derby Na- uh Napoli deducted points. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's uh you know that that kinda of happens though in yeah, yeah. football, things like that. Uh, Napoli deducted the points for for not playing. Yeah,
1: yeah. For once, it wasn't anything COVID. to do with uh, irregularities or match fixing or anything like that. It was to do with uh, it was to do with uh, <laughs> uh, yeah not playing a game for COVID. So basically, Napoli were set to play Juventus, uh, and Napoli just didn't show up uh, to the game because of uh COVID fears, and they were deducted points. There was obviously a miscommunication somewhere. I don't know why the game was wasn't called off. There were COVID scares. Look, we don't want to see this happening. I mean, because we don't want to see leagues decided, and they, I don't think Juventus are going to win the league this season. Because I think uh, I think Pirlo he doesn't have any managerial experience, not even under age. So, so I don't think uh, I don't think you're going to win the league this season. But uh, we don't want to see anything. I mean, Napoli are a team that will be pushing for a Champions League spot. We don't want to see them miss out because they lost. They were deducted points and uh, Juventus were awarded three points. Uh, we don't want to see games decided like that but yeah they were at uh, a deductive points, so it was a bit a uh, it was a bit of an unusual situation and uh, hopefully it gets cleared up I don't know will they appeal it if they're able to appeal it uh, and then yeah as for the Milan derby uh, last season uh Inter won both those games 4-2 and 2-0 respectively uh, obviously no real difference between the home and away the because they play in the same stadium uh, last time Milan won was uh, Well, they won the Cup in 2017 on penalties But in the league, the last time they won was 2016 So it's been a while uh, Milan, obviously uh, Well, look, they pulled off the shock of the century Beating Shamrock Rovers in the Europa League So if they can do that, they can beat anyone But uh, at, the, at the same time uh, I think Inter Inter have a really strong squad this season They're my favourites to win the, uh, win the um, uh, Serie A And uh, possibly do well in the Champions League as well uh, Antonio Conte is a fantastic manager uh, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do well for them look they have Ramelu Lukaku up front they have the likes of Christian Eriksen to bring off the bench who still has that little spark of creativity spark about him they have some really good players in that team La Torreira, Martinez scored there for Argentina himself and Lukaku up front is a fantastic combination so I'm gonna back them to win the league but don't count out At- At- Atalanta obviously free scoring uh, captured everyone's hearts in the uh, in the uh, Champions League last time around they play Napoli this week actually uh, hopefully that game goes ahead but uh, yeah, look, it'll uh, look exciting season ahead, but we hope to not see too many more of those things. Uh, at the same time, look, you can't refix every game. We've seen the League of Ireland Premier Division and First Division have to be extended. Uh, we, uh, we've seen Women's National League games get called off. So look, at the same time, it looks like uh, it, it might just be, it might be something that happens, but we don't want to see it happen and we don't want to see uh, games decided by, uh, by COVID scares rather than performances on the pitch.
0: But I suppose, really, you, you know, the leagues—they kind of have to look at a team' circumstances. Because I mean, you know, like what happened to, um, yeah, uh, what happened to, to Napoli could be a case. Like we we don't really know the full story about it. It could be a case that maybe you know a lot of a lot of players in the squad had um, had players with COVID, and like I mean, if they're if it gets to the stage where maybe that was the case. And they weren't able to field the team. Now, if that was the case and they didn't communicate to the league or the team they were playing, that's a different thing. But you know, it, you know, sometimes these things can come down to a genuine reason as well. And it's unfair if a team gets punished because of it, because if you have the majority of your squad depleted is depleted due to COVID, then it's a, it's out of control of the club, like, you know, because I mean it could be a last minute thing, you know, so that that's kind of unfair. But um. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting. To see, it's going to be a, a weird season right across Europe, I suppose. Really, when you think about all these things that are happening, I mean, it's happening at an international level with players going down with COVID and staff members and all that. But I suppose really move, moving on to um the Champions League big games as well next week, as well as the Euro- the Europa League games with Dundalk, of course, making their Making their bow again in the in the group containing Arsenal. That's going to be yeah, an absolutely. Yeah, as yeah. Well. To start with,
1: uh, Dundalk they uh, they host Molday. Now, uh, thankfully, all these games are going to be on. They'll be on both Virgin Media and on BT Sport. So uh, most people will be able to watch them somehow. Unfortunately, it looks like there's not going to be any fans. Probably have many games for the rest of the year now. We don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, uh, obviously, uh, they we've racked up to level three most places now. So, uh, but looking at Dundalk, I mean, at the moment for the weekend, uh, they have a full squad. I think Dane Massey's the only uh, player who's out, uh, who's presumably injured is the reason he's out. But they seem to have a good uh, squad. One thing they might worry about is fixture overload because this is the most winnable game. I mean, this home game against Molde, This is the most winnable game. So, uh, I mean, they, if they're going to get out of the group, they probably need to win this game. And uh, to be honest, they probably need to be rapid at home as well. And, uh, you know, they're playing Arsenal on the last day. Someone made the point to me, uh, Niall Newbury, who we have on the show, who writes for the Dock Democrat, uh, made the point to me that they play Arsenal on the last game round. Arsenal will probably have qualified by then. Are they going to play a second team? Uh I wouldn't mind playing against a second string defence when uh, David Luiz is keeping one of those defenders out of the team. So, uh, you know, they could, uh, they could, Dundalk could sneak through here. But uh, yeah, massive game against Molde. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, only their seventh ever Europa League game uh, they've ever played, uh, having only qualified once before. But uh, yeah, look, it's uh, Dundalk are on a decent form. I don't really count that game against Shamrock Rovers, they lost 4 0, because that was the second string team against the strongest Shamrock Rovers teams. They were playing in Europe either side of that. So uh, obviously, that comes into play. But, uh, yeah, look, the Dock uh, probably won't be favourite for any of those games. They don't mind that. They won't mind going under the radar here. It's a shame there can be no fans in attendance. Maybe there can be for the away games. Uh, it's just a good thing the game is going ahead. We didn't know if the game had to be moved. But, uh, yeah, look, hopefully uh, the Dock Doc play a good ground of football. Uh, they all seem to get on well with Filippo Giavagnoli. Uh, Gary Rogers, and daddy has been on the show, our show a few times. Uh, he's a fantastic football player. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I think to lock in every chance. Uh, looking at a uh, looking at the Champions League, then a uh, big game for me is uh, Bayern Munich Atleti Madrid. Uh, that's going to be a fantastic game. I mean, Bayern Munich probably the most well organized side against Atleti, the most dogged side. Uh, we saw Atleti. Uh, you won't you won't thank me for bringing this up, but against Liverpool, uh, they just uh, they just threw their bodies in front of the ball that day and managed it they, well over the two games. Uh, every one of Diego Simeone's players would absolutely fall on a sword for him I mean they'll die for him Uh, so that's uh, that's going to be a very intriguing game it's a very attacking Bayern Munich against a very defensive atleti Madrid so uh, that'll be an interesting one and one thing about the Champions League this season is it may come down to form in the early stages because keep in mind we have three successive weeks of uh, group stage fixtures which doesn't usually happen usually we have a break in there somewhere so I mean Bayern Munich may benefit from that considering they're a very winning team and they have a great squad they have probably one of the best squads uh in uh in Europe at the moment uh Real Madrid may also benefit for that they play Shakhtar Donetsk a winnable game for them uh there PSG against Manchester United on the Tuesday that's a big one uh PSG have everyone back fit uh the Neymar's the Mbappe's they obviously don't have Cavani anymore uh but uh Cavani will likely miss that game uh through quarantining uh but yeah look PSG have a really strong team they didn't make the final for nothing last year uh I think they're. I think defensively, Man United are a bit of a shambles at the moment. Lazio, Dortmund—that's an intriguing one because uh, Lazio, Lazio are an interesting side. They have Immobile up front, but uh, Dortmund—I think everyone's excited to see Sancho and Haaland. Unfortunately, Haaland won't be at the Euros next year. Uh, Chelsea, Sevilla—Europa uh, League winner, Sevilla. Uh, Chelsea, there's a uh, Chelsea, there's uh, maybe a few questions over them. Does Lampard know how to set up his team right? I don't think he does. I don't think he's a man for the job. And I don't think that's his fault. It's only his third season in management. Uh, Inter play, uh, we mentioned them, they play uh, my German team, Borussia Gladbach. my favourite German team. So uh, I think Inter are favourites there. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, But uh, yeah, looking around the place, uh, RB Leipzig are in action too. uh, And uh, Ajax Liverpool, that'll be a great game. Liverpool, Ajax probably unfortunately going through one of those phases where they're losing their best players. They kind of go through these cycles of having a great team then having to rebuild a lot. So uh, Liverpool will be favourites there. That's a very good group, actually. uh, Atalanta in that group as well. So there'll be plenty of goals and excitement there. Uh, But yeah, look, good week of Champions League. Looking forward to it. Uh, If I had to pick a winner now, I'd say Bayern Munich uh, will win the Champions League again. I think this is their time, uh, even though it's very difficult to win two in a row. But uh, a nice little story here as well. Uh, Barcelona host Ferencvarosi of, of Hungary. Hungary. Uh, it's their first time in 25 years in the Champions League. So nice little uh, trip to the new camp there next Tuesday for them. Uh, that'll be a good story. And uh, you know, this is probably the time to catch Barcelona off guard. So a uh, nice story there that they're uh, they're playing Barcelona. That's it. Well,
0: listen. Thanks very much, Kieran, from. Uh from post-to-post sport. Thanks very much for doing, for uh, going through that. We, we covered, we covered a, a lot there. And uh, I think we, you know, there was a, a lot of uh, very interesting points made throughout it as well. So listen, thanks very much for, for uh, doing uh Euro soccer with us. And we look forward to talking to you again next Yeah. Week. Thanks very
1: much. Uh, Post-to-post.sport.blog. Blog. anyone wants to check out our website and uh, thanks Aidan. Hopefully talk to you again soon.
0: No problem. And uh, that was uh